0: Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Hi, everyone. And Mr. Will Rotondi. Hey, what's going on? Ah, today's episode, we're talking Singing in the Rain, another musical. Again, promise we didn't plan this. This is just what the cards dealt us. And we will be giving you some Oscar predictions. So in lieu of our side quest and opening segment, we're going to kind of smoosh that into uh, the Oscar um, predictions, which are airing this Sunday. We're recording this on uh, Thursday, March 9th, and the Oscars are airing this Sunday, the 12th. So by the time you hear this episode... You'll know the winners. We don't currently now. I promise, again, no trickery here. Um, It'll be kind of fun to see where it all lands. So we'll give our predictions for the main acting and supporting acting categories, director and best pitcher. So without further ado, guys, number one or our first category here, and I'm just reading this right off the Oscars official website, actor in a leading role. Our nominees are Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inishirin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and then Bill Nye for Living. So what do you guys got for this one? What are we thinking?
1: I forgot Elvis came out in the past year. I felt like that was <laughs> like a 2019 movie for some reason. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> May, I'm going to let you take it first, unless I you want know. me to.
1: Okay. No, um, I mean, you're good.
2: <laughs> I just didn't want to interrupt you.
1: No, it's hard because, like, I haven't seen all these movies. So, like, I love Bill Nye, but I have no idea what living even is.
3: <laughs> don't who, we all question does? that? I mean, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ask an excellent question. Right? <laughs> does he find out?
1: <laughs> I'll just have to watch the movie, I guess, based off of this. But um I don't know. I would say it's between Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell, most likely, just based off of buzz I've I've heard for the whale and for the Banshees that finish here And, and i if I have to pick one, which based on Chris's face I do, uh, I would go with Brendan Fraser. <laughs> I think it's right, his comeback year.
2: Yeah, I have to go with the same, truthfully. I feel like just because of so much buzz that's gone on for it, for the film itself, for his performance, for the fact that he's back and kind of a big deal again, which is amazing because I thought he was cool back when he was cool before. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of hope it is. I'm going to have to go with Brendan. So I hope it
0: is, but I think it's going to be Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inishirin. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not basing that off of much other than sort of like uh, the Golden Globes sometimes, but not always are an indication of how the Oscars are going to go. I feel like he's got a lot of momentum. That movie has a lot of momentum. The Banshee's of an you know And I mean, um, I really liked his performance in that. That's one of the ones that I have seen on uh, this list. I have not seen mm-hmm. the whale, but I do hope it's Brendan Fraser. So that's that's kind of my two pronged answer. But I think it's going to be Colin Farrell lock it in <laughs> next up we have actor in a supporting role and our nominees are brendan gleason for the banshees of Inisherin*, brian tyree henry for causeway judd hirsch for the fabelmans barry keon for the banshees of inishirin and then kay Kui Kwan. Hopefully I'm saying your name right, buddy. I'm so sorry. I've never actually heard it said out loud. Um, I am reasonably sure about the first and last name anyway. It's just that middle part. But uh, that is for, of course, everything, everywhere, all at once. What do you guys think uh, for Best Supporting Actor? We're just going to keep on rolling here and hope that everything worked out.
2: Uh, You know what? I'm, I'm a sucker for everything, everywhere all at once. So I really hope that Kui Kwan gets it and that's all that I have to say. I just really hope that he does.
1: I feel the same way. I am a bit biased in that I actually haven't seen any of the other films that have nominees for this category. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I hope everything everywhere all at once sweeps. So I hope mm-hmm. I hope ki Hui gets it.
0: Yep. With you both. hope he gets it. I think he will get it. I think that's... Uh, it seems like a safe bet. I feel like this film is going to do very well. Um, It has probably the most buzz, the most momentum behind it. Um, Yeah, I think it's, I think it's time for, for a short round to, to get an Oscar. That's right. (laughs) All right. Next category, actress in a leading role. We have Kate Blanchett in Tar, uh, Anna DeArmas in Blonde, Andrea Riceborough in Two Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fableman's, Michelle Yeoh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm gonna say Kate Blanchett is gonna take it, although I want Michelle Yeoh to take it. I feel a bit like this might be like the one category. Like sometimes, like you'll see like votes split, so like I, it's a weird psychological thing where like the people want to recognize more than just like one movie and I think like the acting category is sometimes where that happens so even though I want Michelle yo to win I feel like Kate blanchett has a good shot
3: here
2: yeah I'm kind of on the same page as you are and I really hope that I don't know I I'm still holding out man I think that Michelle Michelle yo can get it um then truthfully the two of them are extraordinary so it would be phenomenal phenomenal either way but I really hope Michelle yo gets it
1: I I'm mostly in agreement I also think um Anna de armas could be in the running. Um, mm. I know Blonde was like kind of controversial, but it was also like very much Oscar bait. so Yeah. Um, and Anna is just a great actress, so I I could see either like any of those three winning it. Um, I do I do feel like there is so much support for Michelle Yeoh, and like she's already won a lot of awards this season. That like it will probably be her because I think the Oscars don't want to deal with the backlash of it not being her. <laughs> <laughs> and they get a lot of good press if it is her.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Supposedly they've diversified their, uh, their voting, you know, uh, like who votes in these things, um, you know, years ago now, I don't know what, six, seven years ago, like Oscars So white, like all that. <laughs>
3: Cause it was a bunch of old white
0: dudes primarily that like would vote or like people that like by their own admission had only watched like three out of like the 10 movies that were, and like, they're still voting. And it's like, I feel like you should have to watch everything in a category to vote in that category. And I guess that would be an honor system thing, but like you should abstain. That's just my, my opinion, but um
1: we watch Why at it? least four films a month and we just do a podcast, like
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs>
3: nice. You had
0: one job, guys. Come on. <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility and all that. So all right, our next category is uh actress in a supporting role. We have Angela Bassett in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inisherin. Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to butcher this again, but Hugh, it's um, and Everything Everywhere
2: All at Once. I'm so sorry that I've butchered your name. Now, this is the part where I feel bad because I haven't, I mean, besides Everything Everywhere All at Once, like, I haven't seen the other movies that are here. I do, I thought Stephanie was really good, too, Um, and I could just... You know what? I'm just gonna go that route <laughs> because I love the movie so much. I thought she was great, um, and, and I, I this is probably the uh, this is the only film that I saw, so that's how I'm voting. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Way I'm to go! Uh, I'm gonna join the Oscar. Uh, you know, <laughs> in your defense, you don't, you're not you know
0: you don't have like the responsibility of picking a winner. You're just predicting, <laughs> so that lets you off the hook uh, yeah. a little bit.
2: <laughs> but uh, truthfully uh when i first looked at the list i was hoping that angela bassett would get it just because i think she's a great actor so that would be um if i had to choose besides being so biased for everything everywhere all at once i would have to go for her cool how about you may
1: this is a difficult category for me (laughs) there's so many amazing actresses here um I will also have to say, well, mm, I want it to be Stephanie Shue because that was a phenomenal, phenomenal performance in everything, everywhere, all at once. And I know that, like, she's not necessarily gotten the recognition she should have gotten so far. I'm not going to name names, but certain awards Uh, <laughs> should have gone to her that did not um but like given she's kind of been snubbed by a lot of things i think that jamie lee curtis is probably going to get it um and Mm -hmm. i I love jamie lee curtis don't get me wrong but i do think in this film like her performance was not quite as strong as stephanie shoes she did the
0: easier job i feel like you know not to say that her job was easy are you saying
1: taxes are easy chris
0: no I just mean she gets to kind of be like they are not (laughs) you know perhaps that's unfair I was gonna say she I was gonna say that she she was silly the whole time but that's not true because she does have like some really good bits in some of the alternate universes um with like her and uh, her wife and the hot dog so I take that back a little bit but (laughs) but still I agree I I think that Stephanie's got the stronger performance and i'm with you i'm going to be optimistic and say she gets it we could also see
2: jamie lee curtis like if she got it i could also see her just like standing up and saying i don't really feel like i got this this should go to (laughs) like because she's been so supportive of the entire cast like hands down anytime somebody compliments her about that she's like no i'm only here because of them like yeah. they're the, they're the amazing people that made this movie. So I could just as easily see her being like, yeah, this is nice, but this doesn't belong to me. <laughs> that would be so. nice, but
0: yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Second to last category here. We have directing. Um, so up for nomination is Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inishirun. Daniel Kwan and Daniel, Daniel, excuse me, uh, Scheinert or Scheinert for everything, everywhere, all at once. Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans. Todd Field for Tar. And then Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness. May you get to start this one off.
1: Again, I wanted to go to the Daniels. (laughs) Um, Especially because. So much of what I loved about everything, everywhere, all at once, was the creative directing choices that they made, uh, and also just what they did with such a low budget and like small filming window. But I feel like if they don't get it, it probably would be Martin McDonough. But hmm. we'll see. I think the the Daniels could definitely be be the winners.
2: So if they get if they get it, like. Is it one or the other? <laughs> no. Is there like um, a joint thing going here? or <laughs> It is. Just like the Coen yeah. brothers,
0: kind of. Yeah. Um. They, I think the Coen brothers were kicked out of the Director's Guild of America. Like, they really give a shit um, because they refused to... If you notice a lot of the early Coen brothers movies, like, it says either Joel or Ethan, and they just alternated credit when, in fact, it was both of them because they wanted to stay in the guild and i think around the time no country or maybe right before that came out they were like fuck all that like we don't care like kick us out of the guild we have enough clout that like who gives a shit and now they appear as co-credit and the daniels obviously do something similar so i think they would both be eligible since they both have directing credit
2: sweet okay yeah because i would have said the all right it's it, it's not copying necessarily, but I would say the exact same thing that May said, which is I would hope it's them, but I also feel like Martin McDonough could very easily, just based on everything that I've heard about um, that film and just his previous work, that I, I feel like it's probably going to go that direction. Although, so, who knows? Tar might also pull it in there too. So,
0: I, I think you're both bang on. This could be another uh, area where they split the vote give director to like one movie and best picture to the other for like that dual recognition. I have a feeling Martin McDonough is gonna walk away with this and like it would be deserved. I, I really like the Banshees of Inishirin. It's a goddamn bummer at times, but it is really, really like a wonderful film. I liked it much better than three billboards. Um and just like the the setting <laughs> of Inishirin is really cool. Um the it being a period piece and just the performances that he got out of everybody, um, including Barry Keown, um, who was outstanding um, in that supporting role, I think uh, is, uh, is is pretty excellent. So um, that is going to be my pick, I think. So Martin McDonald takes it for best director, which brings us to best picture. The most nominees, uh, because they updated their guidelines a while ago, um, a few years ago now. I think you can have up to 10. So nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So that's a lot. Uh, I am gonna say everything, everywhere, all at once. This feels like a gimme. Um, I'm gonna be really disappointed if it's not. But that's that's my very easily decided
2: answer. There. I can't believe that Top Gun Maverick <laughs> is actually in this category because part of me this is this is and I, I'm not saying this is my final answer, but there's a part of me that's actually really excited that that film is here. <laughs> and that's just the, the part of me that grew up in the eighties and the nineties that's just like hell yeah, I love these movies. That there's yeah, there's I'm just I'm stoked. I'm stoked that it the deserves remake deserves to Wars be there, there though. Like I know, I, 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 yeah. Like
0: <laughs> I like well, I say that completely unironically, like it, yeah. it is an excellent movie, and not just it like is. a good sequel, it's a good movie. Like there are sequences of that about of that movie that I think of like at least once a week, my favorite yeah. of which is like they can like Maverick shows them it can be done like that you know what I'm talking about if you've seen the movie Um, that is just an excellence in like film editing and like, you know, sort of like script writing and putting in something that is amazing to like bridge your second and third act
2: but um, oh yeah. I've seen that movie more times in the last few months than I watched like any other movie in like the last year. So <laughs> I don't think I mean, it has like, a snowball chance of at winning, but I just love that it's <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah. I'm just, I'm stoked. I was like, yeah, just to think about that. So yeah, no, um, I just wanted to say that for the recognition that I, I thought that it was nice to finally have like a feel good film end up on that category. But I will also say I absolutely hope 100% it's everything, everywhere.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, because I feel like there's actually a fair number of strong films for the best picture. Um, I've obviously, I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is the best picture of the year. But as we've been talking about, Banshees of Anishirin is very strong. I have heard, I've not seen these two, but I've heard really good things about All Quiet on the Western Front and Triangle of Sadness. And obviously, tar is very kind of like Oscar material <laughs> uh through and through. so I I don't know. I could see this one having a surprising result, but I don't know what the surprising result would be. And my expected result is everything everywhere all at once.
0: I don't know why I feel so confident, but this just seems like such a lock to me. I don't know, like, um, it's pretty rare. I think like the type of movie it is how early it came out last year and like the surprise of it all. And then it just had so much time to build steam and like maybe recency bias though will hurt it. I don't know. Like um, I feel like there's some, you could eliminate like avatar Elvis. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like those have any kind of chance. Man. Um,
1: If, if avatar wins,
0: (laughs) I'm done.
1: I mean James Cameron's got a
0: ton of money and like I love that movie like it was a great time but um I was actually very surprised to see it on this list I think it's probably partially because you could have so many nominees I would have put RRR over there like that's that's my personal snub for a lot of these categories I think it's only in like best song or something like that um which hey fair because it's a it's an awesome song but um yeah All right. Well, those are locked in. We will see how right we are. Uh, Time to pivot. Let's go over to Singing in the Rain. So Singing in the Rain is a 1952 musical co-directed, speaking of co-direction, by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly. It chronicles the rise of the talkie, so motion pictures with sound and is about Don Lockwood, who is a popular silent film star who has a fateful meeting uh, with Debbie Reynolds. Kathy, Kathy. Seldon. Yes, Kathy Seldon. Thank you. <laughs> uh, of course, we have um, uh, Don Lockwood's best friend, Cosmo Brown, who's one of my personal favorite characters in the movie. He's played by Donald Connor. And essentially, the film is about the studio. I don't know if they explicitly say... Um, I know like RF Simpson is the name of the studio head, but it's essentially supposed to be Warner Brothers um, dealing with trying to stay relevant and making their first sound picture in the middle of the production of a silent movie. They decide it's going to be a talkie and oops, their uh, main like silent film star, Lena Lamont, has, uh, shall we say, an abrasive and unrefined voice that is not going to work for the picture. Of course, as in all musicals and rom-coms, there is a lot of singing, a lot of dancing. And, uh, you know, the primary, I suppose, conflict in it is the fact that um, Kathy is playing second fiddle to somebody who's a complete petulant brat. (laughs) And uh, eventually, um, you know, wants to have her own big break. Of course, things all work out. Uh, the film comes out. It's a huge smash because Kathy has doubled as the voice for Lena Lamont. At the end of the film, uh, Lena decides to be horrible and trying to ruin Kathy's career. And uh, the principals come together to reveal uh, the charade, which um, I guess you can infer from the movie uh, ruins Lena's uh, career. And makes Kathy, of course, a big star opposite of Don Lockwood. So that is singing in the rain in a nutshell. Uh, as I said at the uh, you know end of last week's episode, it is my personal favorite, like classic Hollywood musical. I don't think anything comes close to it. But I want to hear about your general impressions. So maybe because you've never seen it before, I'm going to start with you.
1: I loved it. Like I was surprised. It like um, I was also surprised by some of the dialogue. Like I know there's an early line where someone is like suffering through a scene and they're just like, you know, I'm just going to go kill myself. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, that feels like very modern humor
3: <laughs> Yeah,
1: ahead of its time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's very witty and the dancing was very energetic and uh, I liked it. It's, it's quite different from modern dance um it's also my first time seeing gene kelly on screen and this is not a hot take in fact this is like a 70 year old take but he has the best smile of any actor i've ever encountered (laughs) (laughs) so yes i enjoyed it
0: it's very magnetic personality i've actually never seen um his other big film which is an american in paris that was a musical that preceded this one Hmm. but um I was reminded like I should probably go back and and check that out but I'm very very happy that you enjoyed it it's uh it's one of those movies I feel like it's hard to have a bad time like watching this just Mm -hmm. because it is pretty jovial and uh and funny
1: there was one scene that dragged for me which I'm sure we'll get to
0: Ah, you can we can get into the nitty-gritty but which one is it just out of curiosity uh
1: so I was really enjoying the start of it but when Cosmo is trying to cheer up Dawn. early in the film and he does this very long like vaudeville dance number by himself. <laughs>
3: oh, make a solid.
1: Laugh. There's like solid two minutes <laughs> where he's just throwing himself around a stage not singing or anything. He's just throwing himself yeah. around. A room.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- that is true. Like towards the end of that number, like it uh, it is kind of odd a to, a like little how, long. <laughs> how long it lingers. I think that's fair. <laughs> Will this is a repeat watch for you? Um, what do you make of Singing in the Rain? Um, do you like it more this time around? The same? Uh, How do you feel about it?
2: Uh, I still like it. I've as much as I liked it before. I've seen it probably about three or four times. Definitely in college, that was like an intro to film uh, selection, I think. And uh, Yeah. yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. Like you got mirroring what you guys have said, it's a lot of fun to watch. The characters are not too like. Uh, It it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not overly complicated in its plot. It's just meant to, you know, have a good time and have kind of a silly premise with goofy characters that all everything turns out okay for, ultimately. Except for probably one, but that's not... I mean, that was sort of the point, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things that... uh, It's
0: interesting to, like, contextualize this. This would have been about... 25 years from when the film is set when it came out so Mm -hmm. you know we're so far removed that you're like oh like it must have been quite the like look back at like the history of film like pretty recent so you think about 25 years ago for us right that's right Mm -hmm. at the end of the 90s so it would be like i don't know marveling at like the effects of the matrix is probably a good um you know analogy since we just watched that and looking back and, and doing a, a or setting a film um, during that time. Now, of course, the innovations are um, arguably greater from silent to, to this. But you like think about the audiences that would have seen this would have had very um, vivid memories, probably a lot, a large part of the audience of what silent films were like and would have really been laughing along uh, with the pantomime and the silliness and all the kind of stuff that they make fun of. And I think that metatextual um Backdrop is what I really enjoy about this movie there's a lot of in jokes for the business and uh, you know I think that makes it more enjoyable for somebody like me who just like eats this stuff up you know f- uh, film production and film history but uh, the performances are all excellent uh, I you know they just don't make them and when I say them. Um, performers like they used to in terms of like the amount of things that you had to be able to do well like singing, dancing and acting um, I think this is a wonderful celebration of sort of like how many boxes you had to tick to be uh you know um, considered successful or bankable. Um, but uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, I, sorry it is my favorite um, Holly like classic Hollywood musical and I think it might be just like my favorite musical period even if you take into account uh, the modern ones. So speaking of the music and the musical numbers, I want to hear what your favorite number is. So, Will, uh, do you have a standout like sequence or musical number that you you enjoy um, in Mm.
3: this film?
2: But what's the uh, when Don is trying to do the was it elocution? And so when he's trying to learn how to how to speak correctly, yeah, for the for all these talkies now, and it's like
0: Moses supposes Moses supposes, yeah, yeah. it's like a hip hop song in a way, like yeah, right. Off, oh, yeah. you could
2: you could spin some sick beats with that man. But the uh, the yeah, I really just like I like when he and Cosmo goof around and dance together. I think that that to me, and then just like the silliness of it after having listened to Lena attempt to say the word cons and failing epically at that which no offense I mean completely understood some uh, accents are very difficult to work around so it's all right. but that's like that's like a standout scene I remember is her attempting to do that and then transitioning over to them and that whole dance number I thought was great so that would definitely be if I had to choose one off the top of my head I'm gonna go with that whatever the name of that was (laughs) (laughs) I think it's called Boses Supposes and we're noting <laughs> that
0: Gene so. Hagen, who played Leon Lamont, actually has a really lovely voice. So mm-hmm. in the scene where they're saying the romantic line and they're overdubbing, that's actually her voice. Like supposedly uh, Debbie Reynolds voice, like when you're watching the playback, that's actually what her voice sounds like, which uh, uh, I think is is it's nice that they weren't making fun of somebody. That was one of my concerns the first time that I saw this was like, oh, man, did they just pick somebody with like a horrible like screechy scratchy voice and then say like oh like it'll be f- people will laugh but like you know you'll be a like you know it'll be a, a um entertaining for uh no that's not it at all she based it off of a few different uh people's um you know uh performances i think i read uh judy holiday um was one of the um actresses uh specifically a character in born yesterday but um, oh how about yeah, you that- man?
1: that would be like casting uh the phantom from phantom of the opera based on looks like
3: yeah
2: <laughs> nice. it's,
1: it's not... 50s hollywood so you know <laughs>
2: like could go either way yeah yeah, yeah.
1: um I, I i love the dancing um i don't think i had seen such energetic dance numbers <laughs> really uh gene kelly is just a fantastic dancer um so is uh donald o'connor so i think i probably enjoyed it's it's gonna be a tie between the flashback to their vaudeville days where they're like just jumping off of each other and doing crazy things and when they're singing with uh kathy selden in the house and they're doing singing in the rain for the first time Mm, Uh, that's a really nice scene and they all have like they have good chemistry together on screen. And also it's kind of an important like turning point in the movie itself. So it just, it comes together really well.
0: Are you talking about uh good morning when they're like, they do the couch? Yeah. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's again, like so much joy, like in this uh, movie, uh, which is kind of funny because one of the other things that like, I it's sort of well-documented and known is that um Gene Kelly was an absolute bear to work with. like he was hard on everybody, but in particular Debbie Reynolds because she wasn't classically trained in the way that um, some of the other people were. and Donald O'Connor being a, a good guy would sometimes step in to be the punching bag um to mm-hmm. to alleviate some of that tension. but yeah, well documented she uh, fled the set crying many a times because Gene Kelly just like, would get frustrated and lose his temper. It um, doesn't come across at all. <laughs> so they hide it very well, but um, sorry if that spoils uh, anybody's enjoyment of the movie, but um, I always find stuff like that fascinating. For me, it's probably, I know you don't like the extended uh, flailing, uh, but make him laugh is quite impressive. Um, he ended up in, I think, bedridden for like three days From exhaustion after that because he had to film it so many times like doing those flips and um, he was a heavy smoker and uh, yeah, so um, apparently just wore him out, which uh, I could believe watching it. But I think Broadway Ballet um, at mm. the end has so many arresting, one of which is actually behind my co-host, Will, there. If you're watching <laughs> the uh, video version. If you're not, uh, it is Sid Charisse, um, who's got million dollar legs, like by 1950s money, um, sticking her leg into the air with his uh, hat kind of, um, you know, balanced on the edge of her foot. And uh, yeah, I love that whole... There's so many stunning bits to that sequence. It's hard to pick, but the conveyor belt, um, the wonderful flowing scarf and the wind and all of that. Like, it's just... It's a showstopper, and um, it's, I love how they tie it into the film with it being uh, sort of his pitch of what they could do in the Dancing Cavalier. Um, And it's really just a great excuse to have, like... Uh, nonsensical, like just pull out all the stops, like sets from different uh, you know, places and costumes and all of that. And um it really doesn't make much sense if you don't have that backdrop. But um yeah, that's I think probably my favorite for sure. Maybe not the best song, but the best sequence for sure.
1: Yeah, I'll all say right. like the music didn't stand out all that much to me. Like the dance numbers were incredible, but besides a couple of the songs like singing in the Rain and Good Morning, like the I don't know. They weren't that catchy to me. So that's probably my twenty first century tastes showing. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm with you for sure. I, I think that like yeah, for, for the most part, the Vodvo one is entertaining because it's kind of intercut with what he's saying. Uh, was there you know beginnings and like the reality of it is? It's a great little bit of I don't know if you would call that like it's not really dramatic irony, but like. I don't know. Um, it's it's a nice little bit of tension there anyway. Um, but I agree. I think most of the songs are just okay. Um yeah, so um, oop, I lost my train of thought. I was gonna say something and it's it's escaped me now. Oh well. Um so How about characters like does any like who are your favorite characters for me? It's Cosmo like I'll I'll, like just go first if you need some time to think about it. I love Donald O'Connor's comedic timing. Uh, Marianne used the best word possible. She was like he has got the best impish like grin and demeanor um, Mm -hmm. ever. And I I just I love the mischief like that. I feel like I, I vibe with that guy so much. I'm like, I'd love to have a beer with this guy. I bet you'd be a lot of fun, Um, but I just I appreciate him as sort of the comedic foil and uh, all around best bud uh, to Don Lockwood. So um, how about how about you guys?
1: So I didn't realize that Rita Moreno was also in this musical until I checked IMDb Um, and I wish I'd given her more of a role because like Zelda is just a snitch. And that's like all she does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Nice um but yeah I mean it's hard to pick a favorite uh Kathy Seldon is great I like that um you know there's a tendency when you have conflict between two women to paint it as like the kind of angel devil dichotomy right and I liked that Kathy kind of comes out swinging for Dawn (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like they have a very antagonistic relationship from the start and I think Debbie Reynolds yes. like sells that pretty well um so yeah I I have a you know soft spot in my heart for Kathy um but I Don Lockwood just is amazing so I'm gonna have to go with Don <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice I'd have to go with Lena man I think she's my favorite hands down and it's because I mean, it is because of how well she does that abrasive voice, but also the fact that, like, even though she's played to to seem at first like she doesn't really have anything going on, it's like then she throws a curveball, and it's like, oh, actually, she is trying to pull something over on everybody at the end, and it might work. <laughs> You're like, damn, no! Why are you? Why are you smart at this? <laughs> So, I don't know, I think just to have somebody who is antagonistic enough and is comedic enough in that respect, I thought she was great. So, I'm 100%. She's the most memorable one for me. Like, when I think of characters from this film, I think of the dancing, but I definitely think of her character more than anybody else. So In my family, we still say, I can't stand him. <laughs> like
0: Whenever that comes up in context in that voice uh, because of her. Those are all great Amazing. picks. It's hard to choose. It's a pretty stat cast um, with memorable people, for sure. Uh, speaking of the the title song, um, I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about that. So I didn't know the first time I saw this that it did not originate with this film. Kind of like White Christmas, it was a song that existed before this, and they sort of built um, the film around that as a um, a title, I guess. Uh, So I wanted to talk about that particular sequence. I think it's interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, One of which is that Gene Kelly was running 103 degree fever when they shot it. And you would never know. He looks so damn happy and just like on top of the world. And uh, that number is sort of used as a way to... Have happiness and in, in you know the uh, making I guess lemons with lemon or lemonade with lemons and that kind of thing you know because it's pouring rain and you wouldn't know it and of course the five O comes and and um, tries to rain on his his happiness parade <laughs> like at the end of the sequence but um, it is slightly not diminished but like um, it's a little bit uh, off putting every time I hear it because of a Clockwork Orange. Um, I can't enjoy it the way that probably a normal person could. If you've ever seen that movie, you probably know exactly why. If you haven't, it is one of the most disturbing scenes in the film. And Alex is singing that um because Malcolm McDowell didn't know any other lyrics to any other songs, and so Kubrick obtained the rights because Warner's was making a Clockwork Orange and it made this. So um what do you guys how did you feel about that sequence? Because it is famous, like that image of him sort of leaning on the uh the lamppost and you know uh literally singing in the rain is is pretty iconic
2: Looked like the most realistic representation of rain that i've seen in any film we've watched this year <laughs> 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 or on this yes. podcast i should say the year's still young but the podcast has had quite a few episodes so yeah
1: <laughs> you are correct especially compared to what was the worst one um solaris Oh <laughs> yes!
3: Oh,
1: nice. we need to have like an official like screen quest ranking of rain. <laughs> <laughs> of rain, <laughs> rain in film, <laughs> the definitive ranking. Um, rain quest, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, i well, obviously, I agree with you. Well, but uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was it was good. It was a good number. Um, I see why it's like gotten meme value or like pop culture value after the fact. But like, I don't know, in the context of the film, I don't think it's the strongest number, really. It's good, though.
0: I'm always surprised at how late it comes, like in my mind, always like because it you know, five, six years will go by. I always seem to remember it happening like way earlier. And it's almost, mm-hmm. I think, what is that? The penultimate like number essentially, like, I mean, it's very late in the film Um, after they've sort of solved the problem of what they're going to do with the the movie um, at the, the movie that they're making in the film, I should say. But, yeah. It almost feels like it, like they're checking the box. Oh, shit, we called this Singing <laughs> in the Rain. So we should probably <laughs> sing that song now, I
3: guess. <laughs>
2: uh, kind of like when they're trying to go back and fix their own movie, they're like, where am I going to fit this in here? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do it right there after they kiss. Yeah, that'll work.
0: Interestingly enough, they had all the musical numbers sorted before they had a plot, which makes a lot of sense um, nice. when you think about Sort of where they are, where they fit in and um, some of them feel appropriate to like what's going on and others are just kind of like, you know, not shoehorned but like <laughs> very loosely connected, but that's okay. like I I think given what this movie is about, it's it's totally fine.
2: Yeah, I'm still impressed that he was able to dance, well, a feeling sick, you know, and still doing that, but like dance that well in that much rain and being like soaking wet. And he makes it look effortless. So, yeah, that's I mean, I I think from a stylistic perspective, that's just it's awesome. It's kind of like how I felt when we talked about West Side Story and I'm like, these guys are, you know, synced climbing over this fence. And I'm like, this is great. And same kind of thing where I'm like, this is really well. You pull it off really well. And I'm sorry that you felt like crap when you had to do it. Yeah,
0: so many of those stunts are really good. Like even just when they're synchronized dancing, like the three of them up like stairs and down the stairs and twirl. Like, ah, man, you just got to imagine the amount of rehearsing and um, they make it look so easy to be sick and do that on top of it. Maybe it was karma for yelling at everybody.
2: I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's right. You made Debbie cry too much. Now you got to deal with it with whatever well hopefully didn't like spread anything like if you got a fever man of the (laughs) hope nobody else got sick for now
1: good point
0: prescription was more cowbell apparently (laughs) Now, um so i do want to address uh your your background here i think it's amazing that since Charisse has i think just over five minutes of screen time and was catapulted and just to stardom and uh, did she say a single word in this film i think it's all just performance right makes quite and the point impact flip. though yeah, point flip says say, yeah everything yeah that's right <laughs> yeah very two-faced that that gangster
2: um and that scene it's all i could think of it, it kind you know. of felt like the beginning to indiana jones of the temple of doom I, for yeah. a second i was like did he rip this off from <laughs> singing in the rain because that would be amazing <laughs> and i wouldn't put it past him but uh yeah it was pretty sad because they have like a little opening dance number at the beginning of that film too and i was like mm, this seems a little too close to so, like the little shady dudes in suits all lined up together i thought if it's not a reference it's it's damn close so i don't know that to me i thought was great and i still like how colorful everything is in that in that entire sequence yeah
0: absolutely the costumes in general just are you know i mean still i think um just unbelievably detailed and colorful and just a lot of fun
1: lots of yellow Mm -hmm. yeah very bright catches your eyes um I think I really liked in that scene, and you can kind of see it behind Will. Is like the, I the... <laughs> think you will. <laughs> if you look at the, if you look at like the door, it looks like the like recording symbol on a camera. Mm, that was a little small yeah. detail I I appreciated. Yep. Ellie That's appreciates really cool. it too. I don't know if you can hear her.
0: <laughs> we can. Thanks for your input, Ellie. <laughs> Ask
2: her for her Oscar nominations. <laughs> she just keeps what?
1: saying Paw Patrol for some reason. That's not.
0: <laughs> so, uh, kind of the eternal question for this category of time machine, where you know we're we're watching uh, a film that is, well, I think, at least fifty years old, is what we stipulated um, for our criteria. Does it hold up? Like, do you think Singing in the Rain holds up? A, it's what 71 years old now
2: 100 percent.
1: i think it holds up really well like i i enjoyed it actually which is something i wouldn't say about a lot of older films
0: <laughs> why do you guys think that is like i don't have an, an answer i'm looking for in particular so i'm sorry if that's how that uh came out totally but um yeah what do you think that is
2: Well, the first thing that came to my mind, actually, from um, when they were all worried about the transition over to talkies and that whole fear about suddenly our entire sort of industry is going to get turned on its head makes me think a lot about like what marketers have to deal with now with like artificial intelligence it's the whole like oh crap is my job at risk or is something else going to do the work for me or am I going to be found out to be not as good as I thought I was and I think that in some ways that was that in a weird way felt more relevant now um but i think overall just anytime your job changes or the environment that you're in that you feel comfortable in changes and suddenly you question whether you're as good as you thought you were or the people you work with are going through that question i think that's relevant to anybody and and also just sort of like that competition to try and be better and feel like somebody else is dubbing over your stuff or you know that that whole dynamic i think is still very relevant But if you want to step back and not look at it as like a introspection of anything in particular, I think it's just a lot of fun as a storyline between the lightheartedness and the characters and the dancing, I think could be relevant in any age. So,
0: I think, you know, yes, by today's like like right now, um, that's a good analogy, but I think you could walk that back. At so many different turning points in the entertainment industry, you think about streaming, right, as a platform and all of the changes that have come with that—good, the bad, mm-hmm. and the ugly—and how that has shifted the landscape on like what gets made, does it stick around? Like, um, there's a lot of changes that happen rapidly, uh, even with within that industry. And then before that, you know, home video, right? Like, home video was revelatory because. Prior to that, if you wanted to see a film, you had to catch it uh, like at some sort of revival or like it's hitting back the theaters for, for a week or two or, you know, your local cinema is just happening to to show it. So um, it was harder to study these things, number one, but, um, you know, even to enjoy them on your own terms. So I think I like that you're like how you kind of draw those lines will of like, it's a relevant topic, even if like talkies to sound is not something that most people alive today are going to like remember or know much about the idea of um are you still going to have a place in this new world as something's changing around you is something that's pretty universal so good insight man
1: well i think for me it's two things one is that like basically to copy what will said but to build on it slightly like the antagonist here the enemy here isn't like a like i don't know contemporaneous villain it is like time and change itself really and that's always going to be relatable right at any point in time and like the struggle the tension is like can you adapt as, as a person and as a performer and again that is always relatable kind of within Hollywood but also just regardless of your profession the other thing is the um like dialogue interactions like do feel like surprisingly modern. Like I mentioned, the humor is kind of like dark and edgy at times in a way that you wouldn't expect necessarily for like the 1950s. So I don't know why that is, but I think it does help it hold up now. Um, and just the fact that like, while this is a very like white film, <laughs> uh, the the humor and like relationship dynamics don't necessarily hinge on stereotype or like traditional roles all that much, Um, which I think also helps it hold up now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that it doesn't follow a like a formula to the extent that it probably seems like it would if you just were to tell somebody, "Oh, go watch Singing in the Rain," right? Like, yes, you have your love interests and, and things like that, but um beyond even the romantic aspects i think um it has a very unique structure it feels like its own thing and um
1: he is he is the angel that drops out of the sky into her car yeah,
3: <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely uh, little little callback i think to uh two of a kind yeah Day! Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the
1: damsel in distress she has to save him <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah um I, I like i think like even like on a surface level so you mentioned the singing and the dancing and and you know like the the numbers and everything um i i think like sometimes what you need is just a, a big heaping dose of like wholesome and it's nice that despite the subject matter it's not a very cynical film and i think you know people respond well to that um often it's not always what we're in the mood for but it is a nice bit of comfort food to to have and go back to um but uh i think like overall if i were to point to like the easiest thing is the craftsmanship of it like even if let's say somebody disagreed about like the dialogue or whatever. I think the craftsmanship of this movie is so undeniable that even if you can only appreciate it on a surface surface level of the dancing and the sets and everything else, like you'd be hard pressed to, to make an argument that it doesn't work on, on that level. And I think um, pretty easy to, uh, to admire it. Um, if that's the only thing that you, you feel like it has going for it. So um but of course it's so much more than that like i said for me like the crisp box that it ticks is like it's about old hollywood it's sort of self-referential um you know uh like it it really uh just it ticks a lot of boxes which is probably no surprise why it's my my favorite uh traditional hollywood musical as opposed to say something like oklahoma um (laughs) which like if i never saw again like it wouldn't be soon enough you know what i mean like um Sorry, Mom, I love you. I know you watch this sometimes. I know it's like one of your favorites, but uh, it doesn't do anything for me. But all right. Uh, anything to add about singing in the rain before we move on to our our game?
1: I, I would just like to say I do think Lena is like a little unfairly villainized. Hmm. I, I'm not usually an apologist for the shitty people <laughs> <laughs> in the films we watch. Sometimes I am. But I do feel like um, I'm I'm sympathetic to her just because her situation was kind of I am going to lose my career, my livelihood, desperation yeah. move, and more more than greed. She got greedy at the end, but a lot of it was just her acting out of desperation.
0: Uh, agree with that. It makes it still hard to swallow though, because like you get her like that opening sequence where she doesn't want to give Don with the time of day until. Like, oh, you're gonna be the star of the next picture, and then she's like, oh, okay,
1: what's up? Buddy? Oh, yeah, she's very clearly always just like a social climber. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> but I do feel where you're coming from as well. Yeah. I also feel like they're everyone's a little unfair to her, like getting used to the new technology. It's like no one's ever done this shit before. Like, you didn't even know what this thing was a week ago. Like, shut the fuck up and have a little grace for somebody who's getting used to a completely new way of making a movie. So I feel for her in that moment. It's funny, you know, yeah. it's played for laughs, but uh. Like, yeah, this this would be a hard thing to adapt to.
1: And you got to admire her relentless positivity after the failed screening. She's like, I loved it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So speaking of singing in the rain, the trivia game that I have prepared for you today is a very special over under um, version of singing in the rain. I have a tiebreaker and a tie tiebreaker if we need them. So I am going to present you with a fact about singing in the rain and a figure. And you're going to tell me if the real answer is higher, lower, or exactly the same. So your first one is the budget of singing in the rain was $2 million. So higher lower or exactly the same
1: these these are 1950s dollars
0: yes no adjustments okay. here
1: I'm gonna say higher
2: okay I'm gonna say exactly the same. May gets
0: a point. It is. Nice. 2.5 million was the budget. Oh, close.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I the last time we talked about an old movie budget, I think it was either...
2: Troll. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's not that old. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know, but I was just like, I was thinking like something in the like the one to three million, like million wouldn't be outrageous, especially mm-hmm. for a film where like, he crashes an airplane and a bunch of other stuff at the very start. And I'm like, that's got to rack up a bill. If nothing.
0: else." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, so that's one point for me.
2: Christopher Nolan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so one point for, for, uh, for me, nothing for will. That's okay. We got several more to go. <laughs> Your next figure. Fact. Is the number of takes to successfully execute the couch stunt in good morning? So, where they all just go over and it falls nice and neat 40 ticks,
2: 40 four zero. I'm gonna say less, fewer.
1: I'm gonna say exactly the same.
0: Once again, may gets a point noise exactly 40 takes to achieve that stunt
1: i I think earlier you were talking Hmm. about another stunt that was 40 takes and (laughs) i think you might have let that one slip (laughs) okay
0: i'll have to go back and bleep it out if (laughs) uh, if editor
1: chris verify this if it's true or not
0: (laughs) (laughs) i will all right nice job um your next fact the length of Sid Charisse's veil in the Broadway ballet <laughs> sequence, the Windy guspy thing, sixty feet.
1: Oh. Less.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna say less. You both get a point. It is nice. actually fifty feet, so still pretty goddamn long, but not quite sixty feet. So nicely done. Longer
1: than I'd expect. The camera There's angle some... definitely looked like it was tricking me, though. So, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Apparently, it was so long that it would occasionally start to pull her off balance, as you can imagine. Like, it's a very delicate thing that they're doing. So, And she, she looks to be rather petite. So, um, yeah. All right. Here's your next figure. The Rotten Tomatoes score. 90%. percent nine zero. Higher or lower? Right on.
3: Higher.
2: I'm going to have to say. Right on. May is on fire.
0: It is 100%. It is higher. It is one of the few films to have a perfect Rotten Tomato 100% score.
1: I will admit, I always look at the Rotten Tomato score for the films that we watch. <laughs> I'm just
0: See curious. how far astray we're leading you. <laughs>
1: yes, actually. <laughs> well oh God! See what suffering you've lined up for me.
0: <laughs> All right, your final number, and I'll do the tiebreakers just for fun since we have them. But your final number. <laughs> Uh, The number of original songs, so the songs that they wrote for the film, four. Is it higher or lower than four? I'm going to say lower.
1: I'm going to say exactly four.
0: Will gets a point on this one. It is lower. It is actually only two original songs. Make Him Laugh and Moses Supposes are the only two Hmm. original songs made for the film.
1: I'd be so surprised if Moses Supposes (laughs) wasn't a previously made song.
0: (laughs) That would be great.
1: (laughs) It's going to be my next karaoke pick, I think.
3: Nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that puts May at four points. Will it two? Well played, both of you
1: good game rutandi
0: it was it was now uh for just for funsies the tiebreakers that i had since i went through all the trouble of you know the whopping (laughs) five minutes it took me to do this (laughs) (laughs) um debbie reynolds was 19 years old when she made this film her famous actress daughter carrie fisher was she younger older or the same age when she made Star Wars A New Hope in
1: 1977.
0: Older. Yeah, I'm going to go with older. It's actually the same age. She was 19 years old. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Wars. like
1: 20, 21. <laughs>
0: oh, she was 19. All right. The other tiebreaker that I have. So my favorite Uh musical number, Broadway ballet. Was the budget um higher or lower than $500,000? Higher.
1: I'm going to say lower cuz that's a quarter of the film budget basically.
0: It is actually higher, $600,000 was <laughs> the budget for that sequence. Well, so, Don Broadway ballet, See, now,
1: now we're tied.
2: oh yeah (laughs) nice well very
0: good hopefully that was a fun way to do that game Um, give you some more trivia and facts around uh, some, some interesting figures I came across while I was researching and that brings us to drawing our next quest so Let me go ahead and switch over our view. And as per usual, since I have had three nominations in a row, uh, if I were to draw another card, we will throw it back in the pile and draw a different one to to give poor Waterman a break here. So let's have a shuffle. Extra shuffle, extra shuffle, extra shuffle. And we are going to draw. Ah, (laughs) so this is a new category that is called against my better judgment. So (laughs) this is going to be a film that somebody, for one reason or another, has not either finished or watched.
2: So let me see (laughs) what that
0: film is going to be. And if it's one of mine, we'll throw it back in the pile. And obviously, edit this out so our audience doesn't get the sneak peek here. <laughs> the Against My Better Judgment film is going to be a will pick and it is Vice. So, we are Ooh. going to be watching Vice, which, uh, forget your, you know, I should say, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is the Christian Bale film about uh Dick Cheney. Is that right? Yes. Show is okay.
1: I've actually, I have seen only this one.
0: seen W. Oh, yeah. How is yeah. it?
1: Yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, I think it's it's an Adam McKay film, right? Maybe <laughs>
3: <laughs> the same guy that made Don't Look Up, right? I same same director. No.
1: Um, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is Adam McKay. All right. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was really good. Um, I don't like Dick Cheney, so. <laughs>
0: I guess if you like
1: Dick Cheney, you wouldn't like the film, but
0: (laughs) fair enough. Um, so give us some context before we, you know, go into like watching this for the next episode, Will. Hmm. What is the hesitation, or like, you know, the category could be a movie that either you're hesitant to watch or like started to watch but didn't finish. So, like, what, uh, why did you select it for this category?
2: Uh, so. Originally, it was because, well, the reason that I wanted to watch it was because I am fascinated by Christian Bale's attempt at, like, transforming his body every time he wants to do certain roles. And, like, when he did The Machinist, and I was just, like, absolutely shocked at how thin he got. And then it was, like, then he wanted to bulk up and be Batman. And then he wanted to build out and be dick cheney and i was like this man is just like becoming these people and i'm so like fascinated by this and then listening to him in the trailer i thought man this is going to be really weird but i kind of want to experience it and so i started watching it and i i really enjoyed it for him but there was a i think i just i couldn't distance myself far enough from the source material to like not get pissed off at the movie halfway through and just what was going on and just feeling like way too politically triggered and so i was like i think i'm done so as much as i love sam rockwell and how he was doing and christian bale for his part in particular i just i had to shut it down and i just never went back to it um i think if i could detach myself from politics i probably appreciate it for what it is but i think that ultimately i couldn't at the time and i was just never in a good state of mind to go back and do it before so this seemed like a great opportunity to go back and get, get some more feelings out there and just deal with my trauma so it's the old <laughs> adage now, if you don't
0: like it, is you have no one to blame but yourself, like literally. <laughs> so it's true. Hope hopefully you have better luck the second time around. Um yep. yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It was uh, <laughs> in some contention during one of the Academy Awards. I'm not sure exactly how old this is, but I feel like a few years ago, like this was in the circulation for some stuff, right? Am I just misremembering yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it was, yeah.
1: Yeah, right? I, I feel like I have the benefit of be since I'm slightly younger than both of you I don't really remember 9-11 and that's the time setting for for most advice um so it's not triggering for me at all I'm like learning stuff for the first time sometimes
0: yeah Yep. we know many people uh including my my wife um who went off to war (laughs) because of uh the events you know of that time period so yeah. Yep. that's all I'll say. I will I'll keep it uh, mostly apolitical on the podcast. But anyway, um, thank you as always for listening, watching, and hopefully enjoying the podcast. Um, I know I said I was going to put the Google form.
2: I totally forgot
0: to do that on the last one, so I'll go <gasps> back and retroactively put that in the description. Uh, but I I promise we will post it on Twitter. It will go into. Um, you know uh, the video descriptions going forward because we'd like to hear from you. Like, what's a movie that you want us to watch and talk about? And what context? Do you have a side quest for us? All that would be really, really cool. And we'd like to have more guests on. So if your film gets pulled and you want to be a guest, click that yes mark, and we will reach out to you um, to let you know and and hopefully you can join us for an episode. Until next time, you can find us on Twitter at ScreenQuestPod. It's been a pleasure. Hope both of you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye,
2: guys. Bye. And I can't stand him.
3: And I can't stand him.